From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to this morning's Conquer Risk Podcast, Manish. Um, this morning, I thought it was interesting. I, I've had a couple of people recently ask me where we get content ideas, and frankly, most of them come from conversations that I have and that you have with advisors. And so this morning, our, our podcast is really about the essence of risk management, what it is, uh, why you and I do it both personally as well as business. And, and I think an important component here is what can we do to give advisors context, information, resources to be able to speak to clients about why risk management should be part of a, their overall portfolio. So again, it's not a Potomac pitch. It's about the concept of risk management. What, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I mean, this is coming because of what's going on with the market recently and just <laughs> pandemic talk in general. Um, you know, risk management is something that is done on a consistent basis over time, not just because of, of recent headlines or recent events. So, you know, I think what, what we like to talk about is how, you know, you pick a plan, you decide on risk management, decide on certain um, products that you want to use to uh, to handle risk and then sort of let, let that go, right? So we want to dive into sort of the, the essence of what risk management is to us when it comes to investing. And I know you had some key topics you wanted to hit. Yeah. And, and in fact, before we do that, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because we did a podcast on Black Swan uh, just a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, goodness, time's flying. Um, what are your thoughts in regards to you know, risk is like the the risk management all about just the black swan situation. Yeah, I think the major difference and uh, between sort of our theory behind risk management and other things out there, like if you take black swan funds or ETFs, uh, tail risk type uh, structures, you know, they only really work in a risk off environment. And our theory has always been, you know, listen, you need to be in the market when the time is right, right? When there's positive trending um, gains, but at the same time, you have to have a plan for when uh, a downtrending market happens. So we're not necessarily a believer in sticking in uh, some sort of black swan because like we said recently on one of our podcasts, you can't really predict any of this stuff. So you may do really well in, in this type of environment, but you also for the last 10 years would have done nothing in a product like that. Right. All right, so let's let's talk about what we're well talk about what we're going to talk about, right? We want to define risk management because uh, again, as an educator, I always want to make sure we're building the right foundation. We're going to talk about what is risk management. Uh, we're going to actually define some of the math behind uh, the whys that we do what we do, um, as well as a little bit about the history of risk management and the scenario when it comes to how to you know statistics, how to look and define and and, and evaluate uh, solutions. So on that note, risk management, what, how do you want to define risk management? So to us, when it comes to investing, you know, to us, risk management isn't, you know, the market is down 11 and you're down 10, um, you know, or, or you reduce your equity position from 100 to 97. Um, maybe for some people that's risk management, but to us, it, it's, it's quite pointless. For us, it all comes down to the catastrophic losses. And those losses are hard to recover from, especially if 
you need money for a business or you're closing in on retirement and you don't have the time frame needed to recover. So to us, the or, or perhaps of- I have to call a time out or perhaps you've just been laid off when you didn't expect it after two weeks of doing phenomenally well. Correct. Right? That's what yeah, we're dealing with right events. now. Life events. Life You need money. Right? Oh, well, now yeah. what? Yeah. And so that's that's our definition of risk management is uh, avoiding catastrophic losses. So what is that? What is a catastrophic loss in terms of the market? You're looking at, you know, 30, 40 plus plus percent declines. Uh, that's to me what would be considered a catastrophic loss if, like you said, you know, there's special events, you don't have the time to make up for it or life throws you a curveball. Right. Right. And, and so from that standpoint, um, I think it's good for our listeners and our, our viewers to understand why you and I personally are, are so engaged with the risk management process. What, what kind of draws you to this? Well, so, you know, and our clientele, uh, for the most part, come to us because they're, they, they're either approaching retirement or they have a, a cash need in the future where they can't afford sort of what the sequence of returns risk that's out there. And what that really means is, you know, let's say you're on a 4% withdrawal, right? You're in retirement and you need that 4% withdrawal. If you're taking too much market risk where you get a 30 40% decline, that 4% can easily turn into 10 11 12% withdrawal. Uh, and that's not sustainable for people who have uh, limited resources who are relying on that income. And so, you know, the, the style of investing that we believe in is not necessarily for everyone, uh, but it is, you know, uh, for those clients who, who don't and can't go through that sequence of returns risk. You, you need to keep your sort of levels even and not take too many losses. Right. Well, and as I approach 30 years in this business, something that uh, that has always stuck out to me and, and it becomes more prevalent the older I get. Uh, and obviously, the, the more fortunate I am from a, on a personal standpoint, right, to do the things that we talk about, the more money a client has, the less they're willing to lose it. Right. I mean, when you have we talked about my son in one of the earlier podcasts. Right. Uh, so he's saved, I don't know, five grand, let's say, in the first year of putting in a 401k. For him to lose 30%, which, by the way, he did call me and say, what the heck, what am I supposed to do, right? So, yeah, it was a big dollar amount at the moment in the emotion, but at 25, it it really doesn't matter, right? When you have a million dollars, or you've saved your half a million, or whatever that number is for you, you're very close to retirement, to lose 30 40% of that, I mean, you're wiping out eons of opportunity and and the time that it takes to, to, to regain that money. Um, it's just, again, the, the more money a client has, the less they're willing to lose it. And you can say the same thing about time. The less time they have before they need it, the <laughs> less they're willing to lose it. So yeah. those are, for me personally, those are the well, things you know, that it's sort of makes, by it me. makes. Then why do old people drive so goddamn slow? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to break that because I right. tend to drive faster <laughs> and faster, but we digress. Okay, right. so, so let's jump into the math, right? Uh, I want you to take this part and... And really, let's talk about the math that goes into why risk management should be considered as part of of many client portfolios. Well, if you're a risk manager or a tactical manager, there's one graphic that we've shared over and over. And after 2009, 2008, excuse me, uh, it was something that was included in almost every marketing piece. And as the bull market, you know, kept going, it sort of got poo-pooed. People would start rolling their eyes at this graphic. <clears throat> and you shouldn't because it's just math, right? And that graphic is the, the mathematics of advances and declines. If you lose 50%, you need 100% to break even. 
And I know people, probably advisors are sick of looking at this graphic, but it, it, it needs to be repeated over and over again. And I'll tell you why. Recently, I had a conversation with someone and they said, look, it's all right. The S&P was up 30% roughly last year. It's down 30 this year. It's a wash. But it's not a wash. And, and so if you take a simple example like that, you make 30% on 100K, you're at 130. You lose 30%. You're at, I don't know, 90-ish, 91 it's like a nine and a half percent loss. It's not a wash. And this is where it gets exponentially worse the more you lose and you need more and more to break even. And so that simple math is the reason we exist, right? That's that's the reason we're here is to to make sure that the spikes, the peaks and valleys are, are, are not as deep uh, so people can recover in time because they don't have enough time. Right. Well, and something for me that that stands out is just to, and it, when you take a step back and look at just the last twenty years. I mean, since the year two thousand until what was it? I guess today is the twenty sixth. Yeah, so the till the twenty fifth. I, I want advisors who are listening or watching this podcast. I'm going to give you three seconds to answer this in your own head. What is the average annual return of the S and P five hundred during that time from the beginning of two thousand to March twenty fifth? One two, three. The reason I stop at three is because the next number is the answer. It's 4.52%. If you look at uh, what VFI and X, right? Just a simple Vanguard 500 S&P 500 fund. 4.52%. Now, last year it was up 30. Yay, whatever, 30 whatever percent. This is something that I just don't... Think about the agony that clients have had to suffer through. The tech bubble, the S&P was down about 44 the Great Recession, down 50. What we're in right now, it's 30-plus. Drawdown, drawdown. Not drawdown. Yeah, drawdown. Okay, yeah. uh, excuse, good point. Maximum drawdown, 30-plus percent. And we don't know. We're in the middle of this. Maybe it goes lower. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? Right? The, these kinds of events, to get 4.52, that's about as underwhelming as it gets. Yeah, so. and then that's that's the math over time. Now, look, you, we can you can play with this in many ways, right? You can go back and say, well, on any 30-year rolling period, et cetera. But, you know, it, it, the real-life situation is people your age right now, 20 years ago that were Absolutely. retiring, are now needing their money approaching on 70, 72. Um, and that has been their experience for 20 years. So it's disingenuous to sit there and tell someone, like, oh, don't worry about it. In, in 20 or 30 years, it'll recover. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you get yeah. two, three, four percent returns. Um, you know, that that's, you don't know that. Well, and that's, uh, and to your point, I mean, I'll admit it, I'm 50 years old. So to me, 50 to 70, that's a 20 year window. It lose, the thought of losing 30 plus percent three times in that window is, I, I just, I can't even fathom it. So, so that's well, just I'll not something you, that me, I want to have. Let me tell have. you something, how I want to, this is yeah. important. And this is, comes to your 50 and your yeah. conversation right now. So when I make financial plans for myself, uh, I adjust the expected rate of return based on a rolling 20-year period. Now, this is just for myself. Yeah, people do what they want. I know they get aggressive and put 9 10 11%. To me, that's horseshit. <laughs> I, my, right now, the, my return is about 4.5%. It's a little under 5 as the return I need. And then that's how I adjust savings and things like that. Because to me, that's more realistic than making up some number that may or may not have happened over different periods. So... I don't know. No, that's absolutely. probably why it's still conservative. So, 
Well, you know, again, everybody's different, but those are the, that's a little bit of the personal reason why we do, again, why we do what we do. But I appreciate you discussing the math of, of those return requirements based on, uh, you know, based on the, the actual return that's there. What do you need to get back what you lost? Um, and, and recovery period is a whole other subject. But let's, let's move on just a little bit. Uh, what are some of the strategies that are statistics uh, that from a historical perspective we could use or advisors could use as they're looking at different risk management solutions. What, uh, I mean, I'm gonna, I'll touch on one. Okay? Okay. One of the things that I, I come across in discussions with advisors a lot, and I had a recent conversation with somebody about beta. Right? Beta is just a simple measure uh, against the S&P 500 to measure volatility. And the question, and, and it, what was clear is this person, and it's not right or wrong, it's just a matter of what they're used to, was very ingrained in the strategic management process, not the tactical risk management process. And what I mean by that is beta, they wanted to see, or their expectation was, that you build a portfolio that has a constant beta, right? So that come hell or high water, it's basically moving with a one, by the way, just for, the, just for clarity, a one would mean you're exactly with the S&P 500 as far as volatility. Uh, and, you know, maybe you're a little less because you soften the portfolio. But the point is, it's constant. Up or down, it's constant with that movement of the S&P, relatively speaking. And, and from a risk management standpoint, you really have to take a timeout. And you have to say, wait a second. If we're going to provide a beta, or you're looking at a beta for a risk manager who is tactical, who is moving things around, what you're looking for is, what's the beta, historically speaking, because if in periods where we can, we can add risk because the markets are trending, as you mentioned before, right? Things are looking really good. We may want to take more risk than we normally would above the average. Likewise, periods like this where things are just absolutely crazy insane, we want to take risk off. So our beta would, if you looked on a daily basis, would be much lower than what it is normally. That's why when you're looking at a risk manager, you know, that beta number is not the same as when you're looking at a strategic manager. So that, that's something that I think is good to understand that it's the same number, right? But it's how you look at it and what it means, well, I don't, relatively speaking. So I don't think, I think beta is stupid. It may be stupid, but <laughs> but it's a number that I've, I've had recent questions no, about. No, I mean, I, so, listen, there's yeah. st mathematically... Almost every modern portfolio theory risk statistic is pointless because let's take standard deviation, for example. Yeah. If you, if you look at the actual calculation, the big assumption is that returns are uh, distributed in a standard way, like a bell curve fashion, right? But we know that returns are never <laughs> like that. They're littered with highs and lows, and there are very few risk statistics that account for highs and lows. The only one that I that I use and we use that we love is maximum drawdown. Reason being is once you hit that maximum drawdown, there's nothing you can do that will get rid of that, right? It Where doesn't. Standard deviation you can't, can't you can't hide it. Other statistics can change and you can hide it over time, but with max drawdown, it's there. And I've always told people once you hit a max drawdown, if a product hits a max drawdown, it is likely going to hit that again. And so that is what you have to focus in on. No matter what you invest in, if something is down 50% at any point in its history, the likelihood of it doing it again is high. And that's why, to me, when it comes to risk management, 
max drawdown is is my my own my go to. That's my favorite tool to use. Period. Yeah, I would agree. I like it just because again, it's you know we have let's face it, virtually every product out there, whether an SMA, whether a, a mutual fund, an ETF, a, right? They're going to list your your trailing returns and maybe your calendar year returns. And all you have to do is go to the Great Recession and see that that hides a lot, because very rarely is it in a compressed piece like it is right now, where it's kind of right in the middle. Um, and they don't show. Maximum, they don't show max drawdown. They don't absolutely. show it because they and, don't want and, you to see that. Bingo. And that's what I want advisors to realize. Most managers are going to know what their max drawdown is. It's an easy statistic. Most of their systems will tell them what that is, but they're not going to display it. And there's a reason. So the challenge, of course, is to ask that when you're looking or reviewing a product or a manager or, or that sort of thing. Um, on that note, uh, any other thoughts before uh, or give us a takeaway on this topic? I, I don't think it's uh, something... Here, let me take, put it this way. People overcomplicate this, and, and it shouldn't be overcomplicated. As you build your portfolio with your advisor, as you approach any investment, it comes down to how much risk you're willing to take. How much drawdown is enough pain for you to freak out and say, I'm done with this, and then invest accordingly. All we're trying to do and all we believe risk management should do is when you have a roller coaster that's going up and down and up and down, we just want to smooth that out so you can make better decisions. When you're down 40, 50, 60%, emotions take over and the likelihood of you making a shitty decision exponentially increases, right? But if you cut those drawdowns away, you're gonna trail a little bit when the market shoots higher. That's just how it is. But the point is not to get too high or too low in terms of peak and uh, valleys. And I mean, to me, that's the one takeaway when it comes to risk management for what it's yeah. worth. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because I talk to, it's the same same sort of story. I talk to advisors all the time, financial planners, and I say, look, when you're, and they always agree, when you're doing a financial plan, you know where, what the client has to start with, you know what they're willing to put in, and you know where they want to finish. And you back into the return parameter that you're trying to approach for that particular client. Do they need, like you mentioned, a 4-5? Do they need a 6-7, right? <laughs> Maybe they're behind the scale, right? And they need a little bit more than that. And you have to then determine what products and solutions to create that avenue. If we can, with risk management, squish the deviations, right? We can squish those extremes off of both ends. Then we're closer to what the client needs through that entire run. And they're more likely to stay engaged. The clients are less stressed. You're less stressed as an advisor. It, it all it all works well, out they, to be quite they, nice. Listen, the, the best investment for any client is the one that they can stick with. Bingo. End of, end Bingo. of story. All right. I guess I've said bingo enough. Um, all right. So on that note, recommendations. What do you got? Stock Traders Almanac. Um, I think Yale Hirsch is the guy's name who makes this. He's making it for years. Every year I get a new edition. Just great stats about you know the uh, what happens on certain days, seasonal trends. You know, best ten days. You know, what happens in the market after huge up days and down days. It's all over. I mean, it's so in depth, and we'll, we'll include that in the show notes. It's a, a phenomenal piece. Okay. All right, cool. I'll make mine. Uh, you know, right now, I think if advisors are feeling stressed, one of the best things they can do uh, besides, uh, you know, uh, go crazy with their clients is to get a little exercise, whether that be walk, hike, bike, whatever. And so my, my recommendation is going to be, <clears throat> now I'm going to put in the show notes the current iteration. I have a Trek 8.3 crossover bike, which means, you know, it's not a full-on mountain bike from the standpoint of the tires that are used, that sort of thing. 
but uh, I love to bike. I think it's a great exercise mechanism to be able to just get out, feel the air, and you actually cover some distance, which is one of the reasons I hate running. So uh, I'll put, uh, like I said, that's a great bike. Love it. Uh, mine's a couple years old, but uh, the 8.3, a phenomenal bike. Great, great to ride. Great to exercise. So cool. on that note, anything else you got, man? That's it. All right. On that note, uh, peace. We're out. Later. <laughs> Bye. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.